Welcome to God and Narcissism, where we talk about how narcissistic abuse impacts your relationship with yourself, others, God, and the church. We are three mental health therapists with different spiritual backgrounds who graduated from seminary and are all survivors of narcissistic abuse. I'm Sam. I'm Mia. And I'm Presley. This This is God and Narcissism. So after we talked about the tactics, one thing that I hear people bring up a lot, um, even people who don't believe and use this as a reason to not believe, is the idea that God is a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so I guess in seminary, having a seminary background um, and going through what we've gone through, what do you guys think? Is God a narcissist? Is this the same thing? Um, I've never thought that God was narcissistic. Um, but I do recognize that I relate with him as if he were narcissistic. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe it's that whole, like, I logically don't believe this, but I behave as if it is true, which I think is good to acknowledge and then kind of think through that. Um, and then I do believe that a lot of narcissists are in the church and Mm -hmm. using God's word in a manipulative way so then I think that can be hard to separate as well and hard to like trust people in the church and leadership that was a great way to say that because I I feel like especially after having a relationship with God and going through seminary like I can say no he's not but I live like he is so Mm -hmm. and uh, we will definitely be getting into that all through this series but we thought it would be cool to kind of go through some of um, the criteria again, but this time explain whether God fits or not, and kind of look at this from a theological stance too. And Yeah, and from like a diagnostic perspective as well. Yeah. So the first criteria that we have for narcissism is, um, has a grandiose sense of self-importance. What do you guys think? Does God have a grandiose sense of self-importance or not? I mean, it almost seems weird to me to think that uh, the person who is the grandest in the universe could have a grandiose sense of... I mean, it kind of comes down to who is God. He can't help but be what he is now. For him to view himself as, I am the best, he wouldn't be wrong, but I don't think he'd do it in quite the same way, you know, like in this, I am the best, therefore I hate you all. I feel like my answer, my gut answer is like, well, like, yeah, duh, he is. Um, But then, like, my experience of him, I'm like, oh, absolutely not. I would never describe him that way. Um, And I just think he's, like, really humble and really caring and kind. And, like, he doesn't care. He's not, like, he doesn't interact with you in a way of, like, well, I'm with this, like, air of, like, well, I'm God. Like, you know, that's, mm-hmm. like, there. So I feel like he is just, like, I am who I am, and here I am with you. Yeah. In a really, like, connective way. And, I mean, I guess, like you mentioned, humble. The most mm-hmm. humble thing he did was, you know, the Christ, the incarnation coming down. That's a huge point of humility to kind of show, like, hey, even though I am all this, I want to redeem all of you, which is a big thing. Um I also hear from people, though, like, well, he wants us to praise him, and we need to praise him, but, you know, I had someone, a pastor, once talk about, um, like, a metaphor for that. If you're looking at a beautiful painting or landscape, 
you want to find the creator and, and tell them like how wonderful they did and sometimes it's it almost hurts not to go find the author and, and praise them for what they've done and ask for more of it um and that praising him gets us closer to him praising him can calm us down put us in the right frame of mind can remember hope that we have a caregiver so I, d I don't see it as the same way as like a narcissist wants praise like when he asks us for praise he's saying um this is something that will fulfill you not um do this so that i could be ultimately gratified because he already has everything he needs yeah i think that's a really good point because because the narcissist wants praise for a totally different reason and almost like they need praise whereas i don't think god really needs our praise he's just constantly pointing us back to the truth that he actually did create everything and he did create us and he does know what goodness is and when we don't praise him for those things we miss out on the truth and it's easier for us to fall into a bunch of different lies and miss out on his goodness for us yeah and i think he is con he is love and he is like connection and i feel like when we don't praise him we're missing out on that relational mm -hmm. aspect and the whole entire point is relationship yeah um and so I also feel like when I think of praise for the narcissist it's like I need you to praise me so that I know who I am Ooh. and God is like yeah. I am who I am and like we're connected and we're in relationship and I love you and you're like oh my goodness yay thank you I love you too and that's kind of like the praise response to that like relationship that was very theologically rich I appreciated <laughs> that yeah yeah because he's not going to he's not going to pretend that he's not good or pretend that he's not that he hasn't done a lot of great things so it's not like a, it's not like he needs to have false humility he's very secure he's yeah. very secure he's like hey i actually did something great today <laughs> yeah not ashamed because everyone benefits yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay so the next one so answer no <laughs> yeah answer no deny the next one is preoccupied preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Is God preoccupied with these fantasies, yes or no? Uh, well, a fantasy means it hasn't happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I also think, when I think of like what he's preoccupied with, I feel like he's preoccupied with sitting with people like or being with and I don't think any of that has to do with everything we just said <laughs> yeah so I'm like well what do I think God's preoccupied with and I think he's preoccupied with like truly being with like that relational piece um and I think he even with like himself uh with like the the trinity oh yeah yeah um along with us so Nope. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, because for someone who has everything and is secure in himself, he is really preoccupied with the human race and trying to get us close to him when he doesn't need us, um, but he desires us. And then the Trinity, yeah, that, that really gets into it too, um, that he shows us safe relationship in and of himself. Would you add anything, Sam? 
Um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so, so it doesn't seem like God's really preoccupied with those things, especially because he already has them. <laughs> like, he's not like, how can I get more power? How can I appear powerful when he is powerful? He's not really preoccupied with those things. Um, so the next one we have is believes he's special and can only associate with high-status people. I feel like we might have already answered this one a little bit, but I don't know if you guys want to add anything. Well, I'm just like, all of scripture points to the opposite. Yes. <laughs> like he wants to be, a, even his family lineage, like that mm-hmm. he chose for Jesus, mm-hmm. points to um, wanting to be associated with the quite, with the complete opposite. Wow, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. I'm loving your theology <laughs> stuff right now. Because you think about, like, Gentiles in the line of Christ, or like yeah. Tamar, or some, or you know, all these people that you know the culture of the time would have really frowned upon and said, "No way!" And they're in the line to Christ. Like he really associates himself with people that are outcasts or who have made huge mistakes. David killed a guy, basically, and so it's like he's seeking out people who are sinners to participate in his glory I mean that's not trying to associate with high status people Mm-mm. and like tax collectors like all of those stories mm-hmm. parables I mean just so much point stuff to know and he wants to know us <laughs> yeah uh, me uh, me <laughs> even even like the way he chose Israel as his people like in in the Old Testament like the Old Testament says the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. He wasn't mm-hmm. trying to find, like, oh, where's the best nation mm-hmm. that I can associate with my name? He kept on choosing the least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will. I want, kind of want to pause because I have met narcissists who, like, that's what makes them special. Is mm-hmm. that like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're like, oh, I would help. You know, I would take the shirt off my back for the homeless, or I donate this much money, or, well, I'm the CEO of an advocacy center, you know, whatever. I run a nonprofit. Yes. And so I think you can find that people will use the marginalized, um, or the least of these. I'm putting little quote air marks Mm -hmm. if you can't see me, um, in order to get that sense of grandiosity or importance and I'll, I want I also feel like that's not God either because I feel like it's a genuine once again relational being with um so I don't know what would y'all say to that I mean when you bring it up my stomach just flips when I think about that kind of narcissism yeah. Yeah. that's just ooh, it just feels kind of sick and slimy and it what's awful about it is it's so hard to point out you know you just get this gut feeling um but yeah i i think that god in the bible does want us to see how he's doing that but not for the same reason it's almost kind of like a come one come all you know Mm -hmm. this is why i want everyone to know that i'm like this because i am god and i know that could be scary and in some ways it should be but i also want you to know that it's okay to come close Whereas, like, that person is all in it for the name, the reputation, the glory, so that they benefit at the expense of other people. Yeah. Because I think God, even the people who aren't marginalized or the sinners or whatever, I think, like, he also wants them. But it's like, 
it, the culture at the time and the way they treated them was like why he was pointing it out so much yeah. um, you see how like even with Israel God God doesn't just choose them and is like hey I choose the least of the people because I'm so great I'm so grand He's he keeps on like saying these things as an example to people like hey I, I choose the least you should too like be, be nice to people please yeah, like there are all these verses better. about like follow this example and treat people well even if they don't have like a high social status even if they're not like you know super special in some way yeah yeah okay we ready for the next one yep yep the next one is requires excessive admiration okay well we're all pausing yeah <laughs> yeah in some ways i feel like it would be inaccurate to say he doesn't require it i feel like but requiring is different than forcing but by a small margin well what does excessive mean exactly uh, i think you're on the same there yeah <laughs> what does excessive admiration mean because i feel like it's appropriate admiration for like who he is what he's done because worship can sound like scary i yeah. think sometimes like because the narcissist wants worship and I think sometimes for people it can be easy to assume then that worshiping anything is bad. Mm -hmm. But is it really bad to admire or worship someone or something? Well, and if they if they deserve it, yeah. Right. Right. I also feel like you you worship things all the time. Like you can't mm -hmm. live this life and not worship something. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether you call it. I mean, we've all heard pastors talk about, you know, worshiping an idol isn't just worshiping like an image. It's if you're a workaholic and you get all your fulfillment from that. It could be worshiping certain relationships. It could be worshiping some aspect of yourself. You know, it kind of gets into the semantics about what worship is. I know in the Orthodox Church we have some different words for um, like worship versus a, another form of, of worship. I, I forget the term they use now, but it, it's to talk about adoration to someone who is not completely the end-all be-all so like to the saints they give more like adoration to the saints but they say it would be heretical to worship them because mm -hmm. worship is only due to god so there's almost this distinction between i'm going to like this and praise this for what it is or the goodness in it or what this person's done versus i'm giving all due glory and honor of the highest order to this person and it's I think that God has every right to require it, and yet, you know, that kind of takes us into the free will argument, which is a little like beyond versus. where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think, Sam? I was just kind of thinking of how, like, he commands us to worship him, but if we don't follow that command, like, basically what happens, and kind of going back to what you were saying, is we, like, we're we're designed to worship. We will worship something, even if it's not God. And what's going to happen if we do worship something that's not God? Mm. How good is that going to be for us? What's the result going to be? The consequences. So, like, when he asks us to worship him, is that really, like, him requiring excessive admiration? Or is it, like you said earlier, him trying to draw us closer to something good for us, which is a, a relationship that transforms us and helps us to be more human and more ourselves and 
more connected to each other and to him. Mm-hmm. Nice. I literally have the chills. Mm-hmm. And it happened twice when you were saying that because I was like, and how lovely. I don't know. Mm. I think it's wonderful. So the next one we have is has a sense of entitlement. <laughs> what do y'all think? Um, can you define entitlement? Um, so, like, entitlement is believing that they, like, they basically need special treatment from others. They should be seen as superior and treated as superior. So, mm-hmm. entitled to the best possible treatment. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does. I think he... Hmm. Yeah, it's almost like these terms are only possible in uh, the world of man. I don't know the right phrase for that. I feel like I'm missing something obvious. Humanity. But um, (laughs) I feel like that's hard for to apply words that came about because of sin to God who is sinless. Entitlement can't really be applied there because it's only a problem because of sin down here. You know, he can't really be entitled because that's a thing humans do when we're trying to exert ourselves over other people and view ourselves in a way that's not correct. Mm-hmm. Well, I also like he's got, he's a god. He's <laughs> not a human. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. When I think of entitlement, and this probably is just my personal experience, I think of somebody like getting really angry when it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he... Like, anytime he's angry, even when it's, like, about himself, when you get to the root of it, it's always about, like, us. Like, you know, like, it's always, like, you do these things, and, like, this is the... It's, like, out of love, kind of, like, when a um, parent is, like, teaching a child, and, like, is, like, like the healthy fear Mm -hmm. of, like, a fear of your father to do what he says because he keeps you safe and teaches you. Don't run a across safe the street. Father. Yeah, don't run across the street. A safe father, not mm-hmm. anything else. Um, and so I feel like that can look and feel like entitlement if you have a history of growing up with somebody with requiring or expecting entitlement. Yeah. And I think they're vastly different for a lot of reasons, including that he's God and not human. Um, I don't know though. I've never, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, but you know what people are going to say, especially if for the people who don't really research deep into theology and what Christianity is about, um, the Old Testament stuff that God does. Let's say the sons of Korah mm-hmm. buried in the earth, people dying because of um, not following or obeying God. I feel like a lot of people are going to bring that up, which you know, to our listeners, by the way, is something that's been heavily talked about. Christians haven't missed it. Um, and it, it does cause anxiety, I think properly because, um, it's hard to understand, but there's been a lot of really great discussion out there, different resources out there on this topic, but for purposes today, we can't really dive into all the answers for that for you right now. But I think that's also an argument that's going to be used for is God entitled because when you, it looks like from the outside, if you look at the Old Testament, you didn't obey him or you insulted him, 
and you and a bunch of other people had nothing to do with it are dead. Mm. Which, yeah, I think I think that's a good thing to bring up, and maybe maybe in a future episode we can address that a little like bit a more. Bonus or something. Yeah, because that's a big one I think for a, a lot of listeners is, but then why this? Um, yeah, so. and right, like a good question. Yeah, yeah. So we want to let you know that we're not just gonna act like that's not a thing, and we will address it in future podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think with a sense of entitlement too. Like, when you think about the narcissist, the narcissist is someone who acts like they're perfect, but they are not perfect, and it is very easy to see. Like, they make mistakes, they contradict themselves, they hurt people. Like, there's there's so much, like, they don't know absolutely everything there is to know in the entire universe and beyond. So, like, when they're, when they're coming across as entitled, it's like, well, who do you think you are? Like, you're walking in here like you're some sort of god. God is God. Mm -hmm. So for him, like he actually does know everything and he knows all of the past and all of the future and has all the answers to all the questions that we don't even know to ask. So And he is perfect. He is perfect. (laughs) And so I guess the question would come down to like, is God perfect or not perfect when when we're Mm -hmm. talking about like is he entitled or not? Mm -hmm. Like character what you believe to be true about God. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like what you said, who do you think you are? You know, you're acting like you're a God. Like, God is the basis of comparison to even say whether someone's entitled or not. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, the next one we have is interpersonally exploitative. So, someone who takes advantage of others for his or her own benefit. Does God take advantage of others for his own benefit? So, this is another thing... I'm going to mention that maybe we can't get to in this podcast again, but the first thing my thought goes to is, what about, like, God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And by that hardening, I mean the Israelites had to call on God and all the plagues happened, and he shows his glory through that hardening. That's what kind of, I mean, I don't personally believe that this is what's going on, that um, God's trying to be exploitive, but that text is also hard. Which, just to go into that a little bit, um, I know it kind of sounds like maybe God is hardening Pharaoh's heart um, for God's own benefit, but if you think about it, he was also hardening Pharaoh's heart for the benefit of a whole people group that was being oppressed to the point where, you know, they were undergoing hard labor, they were being treated as slaves, and their sons were all being murdered and this was happening for years and God stepped in and was like this is not okay and I'm going to do everything I have to do to get these people out and so this was I don't really think it's something where like God hardened Pharaoh's heart and was like this is gonna make me look good (laughs) like he he was listening to the cries of his people and wanted to both set them free and also honor the promises he made to their forefathers before them. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, And also that was my stomach, guys. Um, (laughs) But I think that uh, this also goes into, I guess, some types of passage lookup, word lookup, what's the Hebrew say, you know. But sometimes, like, if you think about God's omniscience knowing that Pharaoh probably wasn't ever going to turn to him, 
And did he harden his heart from the beginning of time? Is that what we're saying? I don't think so. I feel like it's more passage specific. He hardened his heart in terms of he's not going to let them go, you know? Yeah. But I don't think Pharaoh was going towards Yahweh from the beginning of his own volition. That's a good point. And I also feel like he did things in order to like help people or fulfill promises or covenants with people like he always follows through on his promises to his people yeah. once again with that relational aspect and he could do it so much more harshly like I'm like I mean he could have just killed him mm-hmm. and let them all free um, that's true and so I also think that he shows a lot of like grace and mercy even when he does hard things and that's hard for us to see sometimes because we don't know everything yeah there's also you know if we're gonna if we're all going towards um judgment at the end of time whether under glory or not uh what difference does it make if he doesn't sooner rather than later sometimes in time with people and i know that's a really hard topic um so i'm not i know there's issues with that but it's also something to keep in mind i think in order to believe these things or feel that way towards god you have to have an immense amount of trust in him Mm. and so if you don't I get why you would be like not feeling that way at all or be like what are you see you're brainwashed or you're you're following a cult leader mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um I don't know that gets into another topic but no but that's a good point trust equals behavior over time and God's showing us who he is all through the bible and in your own personal walk with God and so you're building trust with him that's it's not like we're you're just believing in these abstract ideas that would be kind of irresponsible and silly to do. Um, we believe in these things because God has shown us who he is. I think that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. I also don't think that God really uses people for his own benefit because he doesn't seem to benefit much from people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, as that's being in relationship with them exactly. and connected. Yeah. And like he, I think there's a verse that even, like, I think it's in the prophets somewhere where he's saying like okay i don't i'm not really a big fan of all these sacrifices y'all are giving me Mm -hmm. when you treat each other so poorly like my law is not just about sacrificing stuff to me it is like the heart of it is treating people well like loving god and loving others and you all are not doing that and that's not okay like it's it's not so much like a, a god who's using people and exploiting people you would think he wouldn't be so concerned about them exploiting each other and he's constantly like take care of foreigners take care of widows take care of orphans stop oppressing people stop taking advantage or using like unjust scales and stuff for measuring yeah Mm -hmm. which is also interesting in that his sacrifices in the first place are kind of pointing to a concept of um, salvation and, and for Protestants really atonement um, that Christ comes and fulfills the ultimate sacrifice so like the whole point of the thing was moving towards a selfless act in the first place that's a good point yeah yeah I was thinking like it's actually sweet when I think about it because I feel like he even puts in the law to like help us understand because it's like he could say I say this he could say like I say this, and you believe it or you don't. If you don't believe it, I'm killing you. Like, whatever, <laughs> but it's like, I'm teaching you something. Like, I'm giving you this law so you see how hard it is and that, like, you're not meant to, like, um, 
earn this because you can't like this is a free gift because I love you so I think it's Mm -hmm. like in a really long term like personalized like teaching and I I don't know I just think that's really kind Mm -hmm. too does that make sense yeah I feel like that was confusing no I got it (laughs) okay I feel like you guys are gonna have a lot of stuff to say on this next Mm. next one um the next one is does God lack empathy what do you guys think does he lack empathy for others I don't think so at all why (laughs) I don't think she does (laughs) um well I think there's a lot of reasons but I guess it's like he did the ultimate empathetic thing mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with Jesus coming down and like literally putting himself in our shoes it's like literally <laughs> empathy <laughs> he's the embodiment of empathy yeah. um, putting on words there <laughs> yeah uh, and so that's being that's the major one um, and I think he did it genuinely when he could have like faked it of like well yeah it's easy to leave as a human when you're god but he like didn't do that yeah and think about like i mean he could have just decided oh hey like you're bad i'm gonna kill you oh you're christian here come into paradise with me instead we're all still here and there's a lot of time and you know you think about um the church age uh which for those of you don't know really quick it's kind of like the period in which we're living now before the last judgment, which a lot of people in the Old Testament thought was going to be sooner. Um, well, it depends on what you believe about it the depends end times. On what you believe but yes. the end times. <laughs> but the main concept would be that we're all here right now because God's giving us a chance to get close to him. Whether you believe, you know, when judgment is, is the kingdom already not yet, all that good stuff. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't it really have matter. to for this. <laughs> what do you think, Sam? Um, there was something that my pastor said at one point that, that kind of helped, helped me a lot when it comes to God having empathy for people. And that's like the son, Jesus, the son, his relationship to God, the father. And the, my pastor was talking about how, when Jesus was about to, um, be betrayed by Judas, he went into the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to God the Father and was asking God if there was any other way to basically save everyone and at the end of it like Jesus was saying like not my will but your will be done um he was trusting God with the outcome and with like whatever God wanted to get done but the thing was he was also trusting God with his emotions in that moment like God was the one who gave him this assignment basically I don't know if that's a good way to put it but God mission yeah God God was the one who gave him this mission to um to save everyone through sacrificing himself to take on sin and and like he felt safe enough to go to God and be like I'm scared to do this and if there's any other way to do this can we do this a different way please yeah and so that just kind of shows me that I think God does have empathy, like, if even, like, within the Trinity itself, there's empathy, Mm -hmm. and 
and trust there where grief is allowed and fear is allowed like all those different things are allowed and kids aren't like shaming him for his feelings yeah they're being like you shouldn't feel this way because you know what's happening exactly <laughs> which, which also is, is a beautiful point because that's also theologically rich when you're looking at the incarnation what we say that means going back to some early councils i won't get into it but we're saying he didn't just take on the likeness of a body he t- and his empathy extends to the emotional experience, the, the whole human experience, being fully human and fully God, both. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Psalms, too, where, like, it wasn't, it wasn't just Jesus, it was like, so many, so many other people have found relief in the Psalms where, like, you have David and others crying out to God and expressing fear and grief and anger, and they feel safe coming to God with all of those things and like you said earlier God's not coming in like how dare you mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be angry you're not allowed to be scared you're not so you should yeah. do this with no emotions yeah right like mm-hmm. Job was understandably upset all through that mm-hmm. and when God came and was like you know where were you and I did this and this it wasn't because Job was upset it was an answer to his question but it wasn't like how dare you be upset like Job felt comfortable asking for an audience with God, and God allowed that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were so many, like you're saying in the Psalms, there's a ton of those where if you read them, sometimes you're like, oh man, he said that to him, (laughs) you know? I remember the part in the Bible where somebody wrestled with him. Oh, Jacob? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Jacob. (laughs) Uh, When he, like, wrestles with him, because I always heard from the narcissistic parent, um, like, who are you to question God? How dare you Mm -hmm. question? Um... And I'm just like, no, he literally wrestled people and was, Mm -hmm. like, fine with it. Like, you know. So, to answer the question, I think he's kind of the embodiment of empathy, and he's an example of empathy. Before you go on to the next one, yes, uh, Mia, you had said this word earlier, and I didn't know this word until I was in seminary, so I thought it might be helpful, but, like, heretical, or heresy, and so, Mm -hmm. like, it would be heretical. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, so... Heretical heresy, that's a big word. We're not really supposed to use it lightly. Heretical means that you're not in the realms of orthodoxy. Orthodoxy (laughs) (laughs) meaning the main tenets of the faith that Christians everywhere believe, even though we're all divided on some of the minute details when it comes to who God is, who Jesus is, and how you achieve salvation, what the Trinity is, that there is a Trinity, those things that are the unquestionable truths that you have to believe in order to be considered a Christian, an Orthodox Christian. And when I say Orthodox, I mean lowercase, not the Orthodox Church, okay? Um, to be heretical means to be outside of those tenets. So most of Christianity um, and those things we believe, uh, we believe because the Bible makes them apparent, and a bunch of people um, in early councils decided that um, these are the things that really... Um, make the Bible what it is theologically and there were a bunch of people who said something else either like there is isn't a trinity or Jesus wasn't fully human things like that and what those councils would say is well that's heresy that's heretical that's outside of mainstream Christianity that's something else it's like a cult way of thinking so when I say heretical I mean that's outside of Christianity um, in the most boldest most awful sense Okay, thanks. I thought that would be helpful since we used the word earlier. Yeah. Okay, the next one is, is God envious of others? 
and he believes others are envious of him. Well, my thought is, like, I think he is envious. Yeah, like, uh, in a safe, jealous way, I heard. Like, if your wife cheats on you and you're jealous for her, that's appropriate. Yeah. Versus, like, I'm jealous that your sweater is better than mine, you know. Yeah, like, when we worship things outside of him, I think he's jealous, but that's, like, once again, points to the relationship. Yeah, like, he's he's jealous for us, in a sense, instead of, like, jealous of us mm, like he that. wants everything we have and <laughs> nice yeah it's very nuanced what was the second part um believes others are envious of him well that's true like satan <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong yeah. He's not wrong. yeah and i mean i think it's something like part of the fall of man there's something in all of us that's envious of god well, I think, well, and we get envious of each other, but I think if you're thinking of, like, a narcissistic envious, it's, like, you walk around thinking everybody all the yes. time is always envious of everything you are, and that I don't think is true. Mm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Okay, here is the last criteria. Um, is God characterized by arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes? Arrogant. Well, can he be arrogant? Yeah, I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know I mean, what I mean. That comes back to like that's a that's a human problem because uh-huh. we're not God. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I think his behaviors, at least in the behaviors, like the way I view them, are always appropriate for the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when he has anger, he expresses it. When he um, is grieved and sad, he expresses it. Um. And it seems like appropriate, yeah, to me at least. And then I don't feel like his behaviors. It's like this attitude is like air, of like disconnective attitude, which is like what I yeah. think of when I think of somebody with that kind of vibe, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But what do y'all think? Yeah, like to be arrogant is a word that implies something that's bad, that is negative, and. Mm-hmm. God is only ever just in his way of being. Like you're saying, like when he's angry, he shows it. When he's sad, he shows it. And it's always appropriate to the situation. Mm-hmm. To be arrogant, I think everyone agrees, is a negative expression. Yeah, like what does what does arrogant mean to you guys? To me, I think of someone who, um, kind of like a, they know that they have a certain quality that is of a different elevated status than other people, whether it's intelligence or a talent they have. And so they have a sense of pride. I think arrogance is really tied to pride and the type of pride that demeans or looks down upon Mm -hmm. someone else. I think that was helpful. It's different from being like proud of something that you did well just because you did it well. Like Mm -hmm. it was an accomplishment versus a pride that disconnects you from others, puts you above them. And demeans them. I really liked how you, how you said demean. Which, by the way, um, narcissists love to confuse for their, uh, I guess, victims, too. Because, you know, let's say you're a child and you do really good in your school play. And you're happy about it. And the narcissist can come back and, and gaslight and say, you know, you're being right. arrogant. You're making this all about you. It's great to feel great and have some good, healthy pride about your accomplishments. And I've met a lot of adult children and narcissists who feel like they can't ever be happy about anything they've done because it makes them a narcissist and um uh, that's not the case 
it has to be the kind of pride that's really demeaning looking down on other people so I guess like now what I'm thinking is we talk about God as holy a lot and holy means set apart mm-hmm. and from from what we've kind of been talking about with arrogance it sounds like arrogance also is set apart like the person Ooh. is setting themselves apart from people purposefully as like you all aren't good enough for me I'm better than you how would we distinguish arrogance and holiness that's awesome that's a good question that's great yeah uh holiness yeah because they're you're right when god's god being set apart we see that in examples in scripture of like sometimes like when moses uh, moses is on the mountain um he instructs the people not to even get close because god's holiness it's almost like it it will be painful to them um because he's so set apart we, we can't even get close to that kind of holiness it's almost like a bright light that anything that's tainted that gets near it kind of disappears you know um arrogance being set apart i love how you said that it's like a i don't think it's a state of being because you can be arrogant and maybe be wrong about how better you are where mm-hmm. god is absolutely holy and is actually set apart where arrogance is like i think i should be set apart and Maybe you really shouldn't be. Yeah, I like that. I also think, whenever I think of holiness, I think of, like, every opposing character trait and, like, holding it perfectly. So, like, he's perfectly just, perfectly wrathful, perfectly merciful, perfectly forgiving, like, all of those things, where it's, like, we aren't capable of that because we don't know everything and everybody's story and everything about the world like he does um and so I think like there's just no way for us to be set apart because we're not God um and he's set apart because he's perfectly every quality character trait um and and nobody else is capable of that I don't know that's kind of like what I think but what what would you both think about like the someone who is arrogant they kind of place an obstacle between themselves and others like you all can't cross this line because you're not as good as me whereas god in his holiness he's like there's an obstacle here because you're not holy and i am holy but i'm trying to figure out how to bridge that gap to to bring you near yeah Yeah. that's lovely because like jesus is that bridge you know he is perfectly holy and we kind of wear him like a garment and so that's how we can get close to god that god kind of solved that obstacle even though we'll never be holy as god is holy we are being viewed through the light of christ so we can be close but arrogance is always going to keep that obstacle puts that obstacle there purposely is happy about it and it's at the expense of everyone where god just can't help be but what he is yeah and i like it's kind of like the obstacles for your protection in some sense and for our connection Mm -hmm. in another yeah and i think maybe the narcissist is trying to protect themselves yeah or who knows i mean depends on the type of narcissist but yeah i mean yeah it's a protection for just themselves Mm -hmm. where you know god is trying to protect us yeah kind of in a way like all of these different criteria that we talked about that the narcissist uses it does set them apart from others and it causes that disconnect mm-hmm. where they can't actually have real connection with others whereas it seems like the theme of what 
we've been talking about is that God is not that way because he's constantly trying to bring us near and he's constantly trying to bring that connection even when there are all sorts of things that get in the way mm-hmm. yeah so consensus is um i don't think god's a narcissist <laughs> i don't think he even marks one of those no yeah. he didn't mark one of them yeah and, and I, I do want to say like as we're closing out here knowing this may not change how you relate to god um that's because cognitive information is different from um a physical sense of safety in a relationship and you know i'm most theories of counseling um believe that we're broken in relationship we're healed in relationship and that needs to be an experience not just knowledge about so it's good to keep these things in mind to maybe help cognitively soothe you but if you still relate to god like he's a narcissist like i do um (laughs) still it's because you need to uh go through relational safety and experiencing and figuring out all the stuff going on in, in, in you still it's it's a healing process that involves the brain and the body and the soul um so if you're like that's great but knowing that i'm really mad at myself because i'm still relating to him this way that's normal mm-hmm. and with triggers too like yeah. sometimes you can just like reading through the bible it's like oh that sounds a lot like what my narcissistic parents said how am i supposed to think about god now like and and you kind of go through that spiral for a bit and that that's okay that happens yeah, I do think there's going to be a podcast coming up here at some point about triggers in the Bible. Ooh, we got to do that, yeah. <laughs> um, also, if you have more to say about anything we said um, to add or you disagree um, and want to voice that or you have more questions, we welcome all of it and we um, want to know your opinion and your feelings. And so um, we invite you to interact with us in that way as well. So, um close out here we're wondering if uh, someone will do a nice grounding exercise for you (laughs) okay so for the grounding exercise today we're going to do something a little bit different um i'm going to read a psalm of praise that i wrote and i encourage you to um either just sit with this leave it if it's not for you or you can um create your own that which can be therapeutic but just um You can do whatever you need with it. So, I love you, Lord, for you delivered me from my own weak trap. I longed for peace and cried out in my internal internal war of confusion. You showed me mercy, and I will praise you all my days. I was silent towards you, withholding parts of me that I didn't believe you cared to pursue. You showed me the parts that I withheld from you for so long. You had been holding with patience and loyal love the whole time. You didn't force, you waited for me to trust you enough to show you for my benefit of healing. You took a beating from me just to show your comfort to me. You lay yourself down to take off my shame. You have been gracious and merciful beyond measure. You delighted in me when I had none for myself. You have taken me out of my hiding places in gentleness and brought me out to silly dance with you by the stream. Grass angels, songs, games, and stories fill our space until all can turn the tar into water so pure it has no color. I will praise you all my days by the stream, on my knees, and with the nations forever. Amen.